Uh, today we're kicking off a new four-week series. It's the, it's the beginning of the year, and it's that time of the year where it's tempting for us. I say tempting because I don't want to do this, but to set New Year's resolutions, right? Anybody love resolutions? I don't think they work, right? So this isn't, this isn't a series on New Year's resolutions, but what it is, it's a series where we're going to look at some basic spiritual disciplines that we find practiced throughout Scripture, practiced by Jesus himself specifically on healthy habits and patterns that help us to engage with God. These are things that Jesus himself did in his humanity. So we're calling it Strong Start, and it's based out of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Give me a second because I don't have all the hands that I need. There we go. Okay. Hebrews 12, 1 says, Therefore, Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. Now, some of you might hear the the word run, run the race, or you see the graphic and you see people running around a track. We're not gonna try to convince you to run. This isn't about getting in better physical shape, okay? The writer of Hebrews is saying, walking with Jesus, Living our lives on mission for Jesus is like running a race and you can't run a race without training and it's gonna come with injuries and there's gonna be times that you're gonna run fast and there's gonna be times that you gotta run slow, but we're working towards a desired end. He says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter, the the perfecter, the pioneer of our faith. And so for the next four weeks, we're gonna look at some disciplines. Today, we have a special guest speaker and I think you guys are in for a real treat. I will say this from first service, this is one of the most practical messages from the word go. And so if you're like, I'm not even going to tell you what the topic is, but you might be a little overwhelmed, but the guy that's delivering it will tell you he's learning how to do this as well. So we're saying, let's join in this journey together. Now, his name is Steve Davis. Steve is one of our elders. Here's the picture of our elders. If you wonder who those guys are, wonderful men, very humble men. They love God. They serve this church family so well. They love to be behind the scenes. That's what I love about these guys. Steve and his family have been a part of Genesis for 19 years. He'll tell you a little bit about his family in a a moment. But one of the things I love about Steve is he's a high-capacity leader, but he's one of the most humble, Christ-like people I have ever met. He's an incredible encourager, and he and his family have served in the Argent Kids ministry at Noblesville for several years. That's how they serve our church family. And I love that he models his faith in Jesus by leading his family and serving in that way. So will you welcome me, or welcome me, would you join me, would you join me in welcoming Steve to the stage? Thanks. Love you, buddy. Love you too. Jerry, I hope you do feel welcome here. Good, good. Well, good morning. Happy New Year. It is a privilege to be with you all here at Carmel. Our family was part of uh, this idea of a multi-site church, and hey, we need to start this campus in Carmel in 2012, which it's hard to believe it's been that long. So this was my family about the time that we started uh, here at Carmel, and then here's us today. And so, you know, Sarah hasn't changed very much, and the kids all got a lot taller. Um, and for me, that is, that's only like 
two to three pounds a year. It's not, <laughs> it's not that much. Um, so th- they would love to be here with me, but they are holding babies and chasing toddlers and gin kids this morning in Noblesville. And I'm reminded that some of the people in this room held my babies in gin kids um, all those years ago. And so it's so good to be back and see some faces that I recognize. Um, it's maybe even as more exciting to see faces I- I've never met before. So I'm glad to see you. I'm glad to meet you. And I'm reminded of how fast time flies. There's been lots of fun phases in my life, um, hard phases too. And I wonder, I wonder if you can relate to any of the following phases. Remember that you're young, you're single, you're trying to start adult life, you're balancing school or work or maybe both, and you're trying to succeed and advance in those things. You're trying to be a good friend and a good child to your parents still and trying to be social and get to all the right places and events to meet that right someone all the time. You're trying to become the kind of person that you would like to marry You're trying to branch out a bit, maybe find a church of your own. Your network is growing, and it's tough to keep up with your old friends and invest in your new ones. And then you meet someone, and you're still trying to stay connected to the other people, and you've got an entire new network to meet and keep up with. And you gain some responsibility at work, which means more opportunity there. And now you're married. Maybe you have a child or three, and they're young, and they're not in school, so they just require so much time, but you don't want to lose all your friends. So you're still trying to do that and you work. Well, that's still what pays the bills. And can we both still work? Should we both still work? The grandparents want some time with the grandkids and the holidays have never been cuter, but now there's portable cribs and sound machines and bad sleep added to the mix. And then, oh, by the way, the entire time you're chasing all these things, this thing is chasing you and you just hear it and it's soothing, right? Immediately. This one? Yeah, the whole time you're getting notifications and it never stops. Seriously, that just, does that stress anybody else out that it's going unanswered? So then the kids grow up a little and you start to add activities and work transitions occur and there's lots of new learning required and some time away from the house and maybe you're traveling a little bit just to a few nights a month and someone has to help with the PTO and they need a t-ball coach and you're never going to regret being the t-ball coach after all the parenting books all say it but love for your kids is spelled t-i-m-e and they're this great little connection group at church with cute families just like yours and it's important that we study and seek the lord together And there's this local nonprofit that could use some board members, and it's a great cause and a great opportunity. So how could you say no? And then high school comes. Now, the kids are only in one sport each per season. And there's just a couple of clubs, and that's like four million practices and games and awards banquets and meetings and other events to drive the kids to. And so you put 20,000 miles on a car that never travels more than 15 minutes from home. There's no more t-ball to coach, but here comes another career transition and a few really good volunteer opportunities. And so here we are. How did we get here? I'm just so tired. 
and I don't feel connected to anyone, not my work community or my church community or my school community or my extended family or the friends from prior life phases. I still have a couple of those, I think. And now the business has these aggressive growth goals, and to meet them, we're going to have to work like we've never worked before. And the connection group, it scattered a few years ago because we just don't have time. So maybe we'll get back to it in a few years, like when we're empty nesters. That's when we'll find some time. Oh, except that we'll still be working then, and that's about the time that people start to take more direct care of their parents, and the grandkids start to show up. So maybe when we're retired, that's when it'll be really sweet. And the retired people that I know best are my parents. And this is a five-week view of their calendar <laughs> last fall. That was 41 events in 35 days. They tried to make them all. They didn't, they didn't quite do it. So if life never slows down, and if during any of those phases you experience sickness or death divorce, loss, then the stress, the anxiety, the busyness, just the volume in your life increases. So if the busyness never ends, how in the world am I supposed to stay sane? How are we supposed to stay focused on what's important? How do we grow in our relationships and how do we grow in our faith? Thankfully, and Jerry introduced this, we have some help here through the example of Jesus and his daily and weekly habits, which we call spiritual disciplines. So before we dig into those, would you please pray with me? Father, we ask you to speak to us this morning through this message. And if anything that is said is unpleasing to you, may it be forgotten as soon as it's spoken. But if the words are from you, Lord, we ask that they stick and they help bring people closer to you Thank you for son Jesus, and it's in his name. Amen. All right, so we have these gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and their recording of these habits of Jesus that can help his followers endeavor to do what he did, stay connected to the Lord. Those habits known as spiritual disciplines, in the series we're going to talk about four of them. There are more than that. But as we go through these four together, remember... Jesus had a busy life. He had a very loud life. Only three years of ministry to accomplish what he did. So how did he do it? Today we're going to talk about the fact that Jesus went away and he got quiet. So solitude and silence. Those are the, the habits we're going to talk about this morning. How often did he get away for solitude and silence? It's kind of amazing how frequent it is. The, the gospels aren't that long. This is the ref these are the references I found. Um, all examples of when he decided to get away and get with God. So uh, maybe take a picture of this and read these scriptures this week. Study the context around it. What was going on? Why did he decide to get away? Um, if that's helpful for you. But clearly, Christ valued solitude and silence. And that makes sense. He wanted to get away with God. That makes sense in his relationship with God because that makes sense in our relationships too. Imagine a marriage where you don't make any time to be alone together. And if that's convicting for anyone else, it was convicting as soon as it came out for me too. We don't have, Sarah and I don't have all the same things going on all the time. We don't watch the same TV shows. We don't watch the same movies. And so it requires some intentionality to get away 
and be together. Here's how Christ did it, or here's when Christ did it. We'll start with just a few of these examples. So in Mark chapter 6, Jesus says to his disciples, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. He said that because so many were people, so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. So in the midst of a time where they're so busy that they didn't have time to eat. Now, I don't know if that's ever happened for you. I can confidently say I've never been so busy I decided not to eat a meal. But that's where they were. So much work to be done. And that's when Jesus says, you know what we should do next? We should go away and do nothing. We should rest. So here he wasn't technically all by himself, but he was modeling for his disciples the importance of disconnecting with the work, disconnecting with the world, and connecting with the Father. I know when I'm crazy busy at work, my temptation is I either want to do one of two things. I want to push through something and check some things off the list, or I want to procrastinate. Procrastination is not the same as intentionally setting something down to be with the Lord. How about when hard things happen? How did Jesus handle grief? Matthew 4 verse 13 says that as soon as Jesus heard the news, the news is that John the Baptist had been killed, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. Sometimes when we're sad, when we're going through something very difficult, we can be tempted to distract ourselves with more work or being social, getting out to events. Maybe we turn to something that has become an addiction in our life. And Jesus, upon learning that his cousin had been killed, he went away to be in silence. Backing up to Matthew 4, verse 1, before Jesus' ministry even began, he was to be tempted by the devil. And so that's a pretty big challenge, I would, I would say, to be tempted by the devil. So he went to prepare for that by, it says in Matthew 4, 1, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. So with the, the biggest challenge in his life so far, he took 40 days and 40 nights to be alone and focus on the Father. So that's what you do when you fast, when another spiritual discipline, but that's the purpose when you are refraining from something. Every time you're reminded of that thing that you're refraining from, you're reminded to pray or acknowledge God. And so that's what Jesus did to prepare for this big challenge. You'll remember also that on the night that he was to be taken away to be crucified, he went with a few disciples, had them stand guard, and then he went by himself to pray. And again, prepare for a, a, a ridiculously infathomable challenge. How about when you have a big decision to make? So Jesus in Luke 6, verse 12 and 13, the, uh, Luke writes, One day soon afterward, Jesus went up onto a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. At daybreak, he called together all of his disciples and chose 12 of them to be apostles. What do you do before you have a big decision? I have, I've been a good prayer for a while, but Jesus didn't just pray. He got away. He got in solitude and silence. And that's what God can do. What could he do with so solitude and silence in our life? It's just what he did in Jesus' life. He could help us rest and recover, help us through grief, 
prepare us for challenges ahead. He can make us, help us make big decisions, important decisions. So the summary sort of of those things is that he could help us grow. That's consistent with other of his designs. When you think about babies grow so fast, they also sleep a lot. I know they don't always sleep when we want them to sleep, but they spend a lot of time quiet, sleeping, and growing. Perhaps an overused analogy, but caterpillars, they go away to be pretty quiet and by themselves, and they emerge butterflies. Athletes will know that your muscles don't get stronger while you're using them. They get stronger while they're recovering from you using them. When they're at their most quiet, that's when they're getting stronger. So I don't know if you've ever said things like, I just don't feel very close to God right now. I don't feel fed. I don't feel connected. I'm just not growing in my faith. I've been in the same place for a long, long time. Well, what I could do in those situations is find someone else to blame or ignore it and stay miserable. Um, I could try finding a new environment, a new church, something different that will do the trick. But I think what I'll try next, the next time I have those feelings is, I'll get away and I'll start with silence. Investing in that relationship with God will help guide our steps. Um, I will confess, and as Jerry alluded to, I'm very new to this one. Because I'm the amateur teacher in this series, they let me pick first. They said, we'll sort of clean up after you. Whatever you pick, it'll be okay. And so uh, I picked the one that I'm least familiar with. Um, I've pretty consistent in prayer life and scripture and some other things, but I have never been a quiet person. And so this is hard. And so as I studied how to incorporate this into my life, I realized I'm not the only one for whom this is hard. There's a book by Ruth Haley Barton called Invitation to Solitude and Silence. And she writes this, you might wonder why this book is about solitude and silence rather than solitude in scripture or solitude in prayer or solitude in journaling. All these elements of the spiritual life find their way into the book in different places, but silence is the most challenging, the most needed, and the least experienced spiritual discipline. It is much easier to talk about and read about than to actually become quiet. And we're starved for quiet. To hear the sound of sheer silence that is the presence of God himself. The sound of sheer silence that is the presence of God himself. That comes from um, an Old Testament scripture um, in Kings. And you might remember that Elijah, the prophet, was being pursued. He was to be killed. That was going to happen. And so in fear, in reaction, he went away and he hid. And he'd been by himself for a long time. And the Lord said that, the Lord said to Elijah, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the God, before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And the wind was there. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And there a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? God was not in 
the noise. God was in a whisper. And so that's why I think she says we are starved for quiet to hear the sound of sheer silence that is the presence of God himself. So while solitude's a good thing to combine with a lot of the other spiritual disciplines, <coughs> silence is important and it's challenging. So a couple months ago, I decided to try this. And I hope that some of my uh, suggestions here, some of the things I've learned, might help you as you try to do this too. I started with a six-hour silent retreat in the wilderness. And by wilderness, I mean however wild southern Delaware County can get. <laughs> and if I could describe this six hours to you in one word, it'd be, it'd be hard. It was difficult. So some things I noticed. Uh, the first weird thing is that even though my phone was locked in my car, I had phantom notification buzzes <laughs> on my, like, I, it's real. I hear other people say they've had it. I felt like my phone was buzzing and it wasn't there. Um, so that's weird. Even when that wasn't happening, I had the just habitual, like, grab for your pocket, grab for your phone to check it. And that surprised me. My ears did weird things. It's hard to describe, but the, the decompression of just not having really anything going in them made them feel weird, like, like uh, when you fly on a plane and the pressure messes with it. I had trouble shutting off the fact, the idea, the feeling that I was supposed to do something. Um, but I was reminded of the phrase, and this phrase or quote has been attributed to everyone from Rick Warren to the Dalai Lama. So it was probably Mark Twain or Abraham Lincoln because they get all the quotes. Um, so I don't know who said it first, but we are human beings, not human doings. Human beings, not human doings. And it's, it is really a challenge for me at least to just be. So it was really hard, but it was really good at the same time. I prayed some, I listened some, I dozed a couple times briefly, I walked a little, I tended a fire. <clears throat> the fire was distracting. By the time I was done, there wasn't a stick, leaf, or even broken blade of grass that hadn't been tossed in. Um, with a little more practice, though, I think it could be even more fruitful. So I don't know if I heard directly from the Lord during those six hours, but I did feel more prepared to hear him. If you can't get away for a half day or full day or all weekend, those are all things that people do that, that have been really good. Um, what are some other ways to practice this habit? How, how can we find silence in our life? So here's a couple ideas. Pick a morning, maybe once a month, and get to a quiet place for an hour. Now, uh, many of the examples of Jesus are about being early in the morning before the sun had risen. So there's something about watching the sunrise that's different than watching the sunset. And so spend an hour in silence with the Lord before the sun comes up. Second, maybe get outside. If you're like me and you spend most of your life inside, getting outside can be really helpful. It can, it can jar your system and maybe change the way it's thinking about the way your system, your brain is handling what's going on. And so if you get out of the typical loud, busy rhythm, the outside might help you feel something new. Uh, maybe take a quiet drive. So I drive about 40 minutes to work and 40 minutes home. And so I almost always have 
a podcast or music or a book or something playing through the speakers in my life. And I decided to pick Tuesdays and Thursdays and just turn it off. That's 40 minutes each way. It's more than an hour a day in silence. I thought that'd be a good idea. It's been incredible. I, I, it is really hard. And the number of times I reached to push the button to turn it on just because that's what you do. It took a long time to stop doing that. But I haven't had the radio on in my car for a couple weeks now. It's actually pretty nice. Other things you might want to try if maybe you don't have commutes. Um, when you get ready in the morning, don't turn the TV on. When you're doing something around the house during the day, don't have a podcast on. I'm not saying all the time. We're not, I'm, not, uh, I'm not suggesting I would take a vow of silence. But sometimes, maybe pick a day and say, hey, on this day, I'm going to be really intentional about trying not to multitask all the time and give my ears a break, give my head a break. So uh, maybe if you're a, a runner or someone who exercises, typically with earbuds in, maybe one day a week you decide, I'm not going to take my earbuds. My, my, son, my son that runs, uh, I think the earbuds bother his ears, so he carries a little speaker. He carries it as he runs, and it blasts music at him. And so I know that's common, but maybe one day a week, discover what it's like to not have that background noise. One other side note, sort of as I studied, as I've read about this, uh, there has been a consistent statement made about introverts. And so for the introverts in the room, I won't ask you to raise your hand. My wife's an introvert and she hates to raise her hand in church. Um, some of you extroverts are like, I'll raise my hand. You want to see my hand? Here's my hand. <laughs> Don't raise your hand. Um, but introverts, the solitude part will be easier for you. You like to be with yourself anyway. Sarah says, I don't mind being by myself. I like myself. And I appreciate that about her. But the silence part will still be a challenge. So introverts need silence too. Extroverts, I know it's hard. You can do this. So I've read about it. I've studied. I've been talking about it now for longer than you'd like. It's hard to not keep studying and not keep reading, but to actually practice silence. It's hard not to focus on doing silence and instead being silent. So to close, what I'd like to do, and I acknowledge it could be a little bit awkward because we're all together in a room and there are going to be noises and there's going to be people breathing around you, but I'd like to participate together in an exercise in silence. So because we're in a room, we are going to have some music played. If you're going to do this in your own life and you'd like to have music, if that helps center your thoughts, don't do music with words. Um, but there's going to be distractions. We're going to work through it together. The other thing you should know so that you don't wonder, we're not going to be here all afternoon. This should take about six minutes. So if you would close your eyes and bow your heads, I think that'll help. Take a few deep breaths and prepare. I will break into the silence and offer some centering thoughts a few, a few times. But let's begin. Lord, I ask you to be with us in our silence today.
Would you please guide our thoughts? Help us to hear what you'd have us hear. Lord, help us be still and to be aware of your presence. us recover from a busy season and to heal from any recent hurts. Father, you know what's next. We ask you to help us prepare for whatever that is.
God, do your work within us. Help us to grow closer to you and into the person you've designed us to be. today in the silence. We want to grow in our knowledge of you and in our relationship with you. So we ask you to help us foster habits that lead toward you. We ask you to guide us this week. We love you. We're so grateful for this church. We need more of you today, and in Jesus' name, amen.